first thing that Bijou and I wrote down on a piece of paper before we even wrote our business plan is what are we going to stand for? And it was about creating a positive impact in the world before we worried about profits. And from that perspective, we think very humbly that the world's largest epidemic is the state of people savings and retirement. And you know, the wealth gap in this country is getting larger and larger. And now the risk gap between stocks and bonds is, is the widest it's ever been, at least in my lifetime. And the firefighter and the teacher and the police officer, they're forced to have access to stocks and bonds, but nothing in between, which means they just take the body blows of volatility. And I didn't think that that was fair. I don't think it's fair that my high net worth clients have access to alternative products like structured notes and other alternatives, but most of us don't. And, and that, was, that was the genesis of Halo was to democratize this product so everyone has a level playing field. When Jason Barsema was a private banker, he kept 20% of his wealthy clients' assets in structured products. But high fees and high minimums keep these investments out of reach of mass affluent investors. This was one of the factors that drove Jason and his co-founder, Biju Kulatako, to found Halo Investing, an online marketplace for structured products, annuities, and what the pair refers to as protective investments. I spoke to Jason and Biju about the rapid growth of online financial marketplaces like Halo, the potential impact on how advisors buy these products and how investors think about portfolio protection, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Hey, come on in, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 103 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, the founder and CEO of Ezra Group Consulting. Over the past 16 years, we've worked with hundreds of fintech vendors and enterprise wealth management firms to guide them towards better business and technology decisions. I'm going to give a quick shout out to our head of research, Jean Sullivan, and the terrific work she and her team have been doing this year. If your company has a software product that you're selling to RIAs, broker dealers, asset managers, or others, please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our research team can deliver a wide range of market insights, including competitive analysis, total adjustable market, total attainable market, buying decisions for all these different sectors, and a whole lot more. So please reach out to us and see what we can do to help you increase your growth and revenue. All right, that's the end of the self-promotional segment. The Wealth Tech Today podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices in technology for wealth management, asset management, and related areas. This episode is part of our June focus on marketplaces and their impact on how financial advisors are changing the way they're buying products and interacting with this new technology. A couple of housekeeping tasks before I forget. Be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss future episodes. Now, let's get the interview started. I'm happy to introduce our guests, two guests on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Our two guests are Biju Kalatakal, CEO and co-founder of Halo Investing. Hey, Biju. Hey, Craig. How are you? And his partner, Jason Barsima, president and also co-founder of Halo Investing. Hey, Jason. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having us on. I'm glad you could be on. We don't often have two guests, so I'm excited. <laughs> this is fun to have... Uh, multiple people. It's kind of You're like outnumbered. <laughs> I'm out. Finally, I'm outnumbered. You guys can gang up on me. Yeah, I'm glad we can get this thing going. And where are you guys calling in from? 
Uh, today, Chicago. So uh, we, we like to spend our lives on an airplane, but we're back home in Chicago and rainy Chicago today. Thank God it's rainy there. You guys have too much nice weather. <laughs> yeah, that's what they always say about Chicago. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I live in New Jersey, so we're used to crappy weather here. So it's, uh, it's not surprising. Uh, so uh, let's let's kick things off. Can you give us, uh, Jason, can you give us a 30 second overview of Halo investing? Yeah, absolutely. Halo is a two-sided marketplace for protective investing products like structured notes, buffered ETFs, and annuities, where we connect product manufacturers all over the world to tens of thousands of financial advisors across uh, now five continents. And so on our platform, financial advisors, whether you're independent or a broker, can go onto the Halo platform, get educated on structured notes, buffered ETFs, and annuities. Again, we like to call it protective investing products. It's not only about the education, it's about the content and the idea generation. It's about auto pricing tools, executing in, min you know, in minutes, and then ultimately providing the full lifecycle management liquidity for all three of these products. Um, and so for us, you know, we've got a really big focus on you know, being independent and agnostic and driving value through innovation and, and essentially allowing fiduciaries to be fiduciaries. You guys were founded in 2015, so you, you've been around a while. Um, so what have you what you've seen as you guys been growing? I mean, your, your headquarters in Chicago, but you were just in Abu Dhabi opening an office. Why the big in the why the big push for uh, for international? Yeah, from from our perspective, right? Um, you know, when you look at the global structured note market in particular, you know, the the market is about three trillion dollars uh, in outstanding issuance and, and about a trillion dollars of equity linked structured notes get issued every single year. So we like to joke, it's the biggest market no one's ever heard of. When you look at that trillion dollars, you know, America's got about six to 7% market share, which is pretty atypical for America, right? When you think about America, you think about how, you know, we have predominant market share and innovation when it comes to new investment products. You know, with, with Halo and, and with structured products, we wanted to take that international focus because you know, $400 billion a year get issued out of Europe. You can actually buy a structured note at the post office in Belgium and Italy. That's how popular they are. When you look at Asia, $500 billion uh, get issued every single year. So for us, A, we wanted to go to where the big volumes were. So, you know, we could apply our technology internationally as the world kind of has the same problem of dealing with more of a clunky product that's never been disrupted and democratized. So that was point number one. But point number two, which I think is a big value to America, is that we have learned so much because the structured note market is about five to six years you know, more advanced uh, overseas than it is in the United States. So we've taken all of these great things and success that we've had internationally and brought them back to America, which has really boosted our volumes and our growth back home, which is, I think, exciting for the industry in, in general. Bijou, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts for that. No, I think I think that, that that covers it well, and you know, even in in terms of our uh, headcount and our volume, right? Like a third of it is is international, and we keep growing in more geographies internationally. Uh, but the U.S. Um, to the point that was made earlier, that you know, the U.S. is five percent of the structured note market, but seventy percent of the world's market cap. You know, so there's a big gulf, and that's something that we want to help bridge uh, in the United States, but also grow grow the market for these products globally uh, because everybody, regardless of countries and borders, deserves this product and need that in their portfolio. 
So let's rewind a little bit. So you founded the company in 2015. How did you guys meet and what gave you the impetus to start this company? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Beecher and I actually got connected through uh, a mutual friend and, and actually a client of mine at Credit Suisse. So I, I spent my career on the private banking side at Credit Suisse, um, you know, as a partner in a large private banking team there, managing portfolios for ultra high net worth individuals and institutions. One of my clients happened to be one of Bijou's best friends, uh, which, which I did not know. And, and actually, we met very serendipitously because it was at a non-for-profit event that I was not supposed to be at until, uh, until I was told uh, by, by a mutual friend, for some reason, I feel like you really need to, to go to this event. And, uh, and so I did, you know, as you know, private bankers, we go to a ton of not-for-profit events. And, uh, and so I, I went and perhaps wi eyes wide open, but uh, I was introduced to Bijou and within three meetings, we, uh, we started ALA. Um, and so, you know, from my perspective, I come at it from the lens of the buy side, right? And so, you know, again, as my private banking experience and, you know, with my own family's, you know, family office, structured products played a very large role in my portfolios. About 20% of my asset allocations on average were dedicated to structure notes. Um, and ultimately, I was one of the largest buyers of structure notes at Credit Suisse. And from my lens, I had a few different problems with, with the overall market. And you can kind of bucket them one into the disruption side and, and then ultimately into the democratization side. So when I was dealing with structured notes at Credit Suisse, and this is consistent with, you know, any wirehouse firm, you know, the fees were really high in the product, you know, it's no secret. Um, they're not transparent, you know, meaning they're overly complex and no one really does a good job of dissecting where the fees are, how are these packaged, how do they work? They weren't liquid, right? You could only sell it back to the issuer. Um, and buying and managing the product was like working with a travel agent before Orbitz. And so I wanted to insert technology, not only to solve those problems, but, but candidly, the, the impetus of Halo is, is a lot more important. And we were founded more off of a social impact. There's our value proposition, as you'll see written on our wall, no matter what office of Halo you're in around the world, is impact before profits. It was the first thing that Bijou and I wrote down on a piece of paper before we even wrote our business plan, is what are we gonna stand for? And it was about creating a positive impact in the world before we worried about profits. Um, and from that perspective, we think very humbly that the world's largest epidemic is the state of people's savings and retirement. And you know, the wealth gap in this country is getting larger and larger. And now the risk gap between stocks and bonds is, is the widest it's ever been, at least in my lifetime. And the firefighter and the teacher and the police officer, they're forced to have access to stocks and bonds, but nothing in between, which means they just take the body blows of volatility. And I didn't think that that was fair. I don't think it's fair that my high net worth clients have access to alternative products like structured notes and other alternatives, but most of us don't. And, and that, was, that was the genesis of Halo was to democratize this product so everyone has a level playing field. And we also saw a marketplace where, you know, there was, there was no, none of this technology use and realized that, okay, if we want to take it to the, that retail customer base, it has to be done through technology. And so we started, and this is, a, this is a market that traditionally served the ultra high net worth and the very rich. And, and to move it down, you know, to, to move it to a bigger marketplace, we had to completely automate a lot of what was being done in the market, uh, but also start working on uh, distribution. And from distribution standpoint too, we realized that, okay, we have to change how distribution works in this marketplace. Um, and those are some of the things we started working on, uh, all with a tech forward look. That's a great um, story. I'm always interested. We talked to a lot of startups and a lot of new companies. So I'm always interested in 
and how they started, how they got together, where they, how they got their ideas, and yeah. your, your concept of impact before profits, I think stands out uh, as pretty unique. Well, it's been it's been it's been surreal. I mean, we we launched a platform in the fall of 2016 in its beta mode, just to five independent advisors, uh, and we wanted to go to the independent route because they didn't have you know easy access to structured notes, right? Uh, other than through traditional wholesalers. And so we wanted to bring this to a market that didn't have access to it and really uphold our thesis of democratization. So advisors who cover more of the retail market. And then we opened it up to the masses in April, May of 2017. So really four years ago, you know, we were two guys and a dog, if you will. And you know, now we span across five continents with offices in Chicago and Zurich and Singapore and now Abu Dhabi. And you know, most recently, you know, we got named in Fast Company Magazine, which I'm very proud of, as one of the top 10 most innovative fintechs in the world. We're one of the fastest companies to ever get named to that list. Um, and it's one of the biggest awards you can receive in technology. So we always like to tell our partners, and, and when we're talking about Halo, is yeah, we're a fintech, but we're more tech than fin. You know, 70% of our employees are developers, and we just take a different approach to this market, which is very much needed given the optics that it's got. And, and you have two main client bases. One is one is the financial advisors, but the other is the issuers. So what are some of the ways you help the issuers, which they, they couldn't do before? I mean, they were, they seem to be chugging along fine before you guys got here. So what, what do you offer to them that makes it, that makes their lives easier? So when you look at the issuer marketplace, right? So it, it was, actually, there was, there were a lot of points of friction from in that whole manufacturing process of a structured note from the way that the, the, the documents were generated to the way they were filed with the SEC to, uh, to even the pricing and the hedging. You know, every part of it, uh, there were ridiculous amounts of uh, manual intervention needed to get anything done, which you could see, we could see from the client experience in the marketplace. Sometimes it would take um, hours to get a quote, but sometimes it would take days or weeks to get a quote. And uh, that's just not a, a good way to make any market grow. So we bring a lot of points of automation, basically help um, automate the, the generation of documents, different filings, trade bookings. And now we also started uh, helping, helping um, uh, some issuers, uh, some of the new ones, uh, to hedge and manage their risk uh, with, with these notes. And, and we just, the way we look at that, that entire business is we want to do whatever it takes to remove uh, points of friction in the, in the ecosystem. And anything we can do to remove points of friction means that costs go lower. And if the costs go lower, their savings passed on to the customer, which is good for the marketplace. So that's the approach we've taken. And it turns into a much better experience, right? I always like to say that you know, before Halo, the way structured notes were, were assembled and created were like how cars were assembled before Henry Ford's assembly line, right? Super time intensive, manual intensive, cost intensive. Thus, that's why the fees can be so high in structured notes because actually the margins aren't that great. You know, the cost of manufacturing is incredibly high. And because the fees are so high, right? The sticker prices, just like cars, thus the minimum investment sizes were so high for structured notes. So with our technology and our innovation, you know, we're lowering those points of friction as Bijou was talking about. But ultimately what that does is it gets the investment sizes into very low minimums. You can buy a structured note on our platform for $1,000. Case in point, we used to be a million and $3 million at Credit Suisse. And the issuers can pass those savings onto the customer in regards to better investment terms 
because we have 30 issuers on our platform globally, right? So when you have 30 issuers, you think about from the issuer side is they want to be as competitive as possible. And so the more that they can pass on, the more competitive they are. And ultimately that benefits the buy side. But we are in our technology are making this click the trade, Craig, which no one's ever done before. And so we want to turn this market in, which is what we're already doing with many of these issuers around the world. Like buying a, buying a structured note is, is no more difficult than buying stock. And that's the way it needs to be. And that's where it's, and that's where it's going through Halo. Yeah, you said earlier that which I wasn't aware of that in some countries in Europe, you can buy a structured note at the post office. Literally. Yeah. So in Belgium and in Italy, you can buy a structured note at the post office, which uh, is flabbergasting uh, in, many, in many different respects, but I'll, I'll uh, reserve my opinions on the United States postal service. But, uh, but that's how popular they are. When you walk into a bank branch in France, they don't sell you a certificate of deposit or mutual fund as we do in America. They sell you a structured note. And that's because Europe and, and Europeans, right? It's the old world. So they're more risk averse than we've traditionally been as Americans. Now with the change in demographics and the markets in America, we're getting older, right? 10,000 people retire in this country every single day. And the average savings rate is $63,000. And that gets back to my impact before profits comment is that structured notes can not only bridge that risk gap between stocks and bonds, but it can be a much more efficient savings and investment vehicle right, to be able to get people to retirement and for that matter, through retirement. And we have insurance on our homes, our cars, and even the dog, but we don't have insurance on in our portfolios. And that never made any sense. And that's why I think that you're going to really see a renaissance in regards to investment products here, here stateside. Maybe that's a better thing, a better name, a better marketing term than structured notes, call it portfolio insurance. You know, it, that's why we call it protective investing, right? Is that Halo is really wrapper agnostic. So when Craig wakes up in the morning, have you ever said, shit, I need a structured note? Probably not. Or an annuity? No, probably not. No, you wake up in the morning and say, hey, I have this objective that I want to get or the market's down. So I want to add more US large cap core exposure. That's the approach that we take, right? So we take from the buy side lens, which I think is really differentiated versus, you know, other platforms out there is that we want to solve for your goals and your needs first. And then our, you know, our technology serves at the most appropriate wrapper because it could be a buffered ETF, right? It could be an annuity, it could be a structured note, or it could be none of the above. And our platform tells you that, and that's the importance of being independent and agnostic. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Invest in Others recognizes individuals and advisory firms that are making a difference by donating their time and money to causes that matter to them. By sharing their stories and awarding funding to organizations they care about, invest in others, raises awareness, encourages others to get involved, channels additional resources to those in need, and demonstrates the generosity of the financial advice industry. I've been involved with invest in others for a number of years, and we just did our judging. Uh, I've been uh, fortunate to be asked to be a judge for some of their um, uh, award, awards. And the one we just did was volunteer of the year. So we reviewed 10 different uh, advisors and their charities and what they gave to their charities, the work they've done over many years, some more than a decade of work with their charities to try to come down to which one was the volunteer of the year. And the volunteer of the year, their charity will receive $50,000. The second and third place runners up get $20,000. And I believe the next three 
uh, get $2,500. So a lot of uh, these charities are getting some money. You know, the number one gets 50,000. Really hard to pick. There's a lot of great charities out there. I would encourage you to go to investinothers.org. Uh, read about what they're doing. They're good work. Meet their board of directors. Look at their grants for good, and make a donation. Your hopefully your your company will will match it. That means you can do double the good for a lot of great charities. Uh, the Invest in Others Foundation. It just that brings me to the next question. So you talked about being independent and being agnostic. So we we do a lot of research on marketplaces like Halo. There's a couple other competitors out there. And some of them were started by Wall Street banks, like Simon Markets was started by Goldman and, and Morgan Stanley backed uh, Luma. So who was who backing you guys and, and why do you feel that being independent is so important? Yeah, I mean, from, from the investor side, we have traditional venture capitalists. You know, Halo is built like a Silicon Valley company because we have a Silicon Valley mindset. So those are the investors that we wanted to have because we wanted to bring a unique and independent and agnostic approach to the marketplace which is really important. We also have a large insurance company, Allianz, as one of our investors, but they, you know, they don't have any control over our business. And again, we've been focused on structured notes, you know, primarily. So that independence agnostic remains, um, you know, critical to our to our makeup, you know, at the company. But for us, our the way that we selected our investors um, was just really based off of bringing that Silicon Valley approach and mindset to the company, which is what I think needs to happen to take the market, not only in the United States, but globally to be 10x of where it is today. We're not here to just solve incremental problems. I'm here to 10x the market. And I think that that benefits everybody, including the Wall Street banks as the issuers, right? As Bijou just talked about, that's critical because our goal and our focus is driving these you know, minimum investment sizes down to a dollar. I want every dollar saver in every emerging market to be able to have a more efficient savings product. That is our genesis, right? And so for us, that's why we wanted those investors who took a different approach, who've invested in the likes of a Robinhood or a Coinbase or a Stripe. Those are our investors. Um, and, and so that's at least from my perspective, you know, kind of the importance of being independent and, and the reason why we have the investors that we do. You know, Bijou, I'm sure you have your own lens. Yeah, no, I, th I think uh, I think that covers it pretty well. I think the uh, uh, thing too is like we work with we work with strategics, strategics, but strategics who are not the traditional Wall Street uh, issuing banks. You know, that's 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 a key thing. And again, uh, nothing wrong with the banks. The banks are great; they're great partners of ours. But not having them directly on a cap table actually helps us a lot because uh, it really helps preserve that preserve the independence and and in any company that wants to innovate, you know, <clears throat> like the ideas we think about in terms of innovation are very like uh, client friendly, client forward, but, you know, it's, it's buy side focus and, uh, you know, trying to be, we don't want to be beholden to the sell side if we are very buy side focused. And that's, that's important in how we've looked at raising capital in how we've looked at distribution have you looked at uh, who our partners are? And I think that that's important too, because we love the banks, obviously. They're the producers and issuers of our product, right? But by investing in our company, they would have an inherent conflict of interest, right? Of the data and the access that they have over different pricing, the competition that we might have on our platform wouldn't exist when they're investors. There's an inherent conflict of interest. And so with that, being independent actually helps our banks. And I think many of our banks would agree with that because our approach is rising a tide, right? It's, it's the rising tide lifts all boats. 
And so we want to 10X this market. That's great for all the banks and all the issuers and, and the innovations that we're bringing. So I think everybody buy side and sell side would agree with that approach. It seems to be the best approach. I mean, we always recommend, I mean, my company is a consulting firm where we're technology agnostic as well. And I, I understand completely why you want to avoid conflicts of interest, keep the Wall Street banks off your cap table. Uh, you know, and coming from the market, you know, can you explain, I mean, I'm sure most people may know, but in case anyone doesn't know, the difference be, between the buy side and the sell side and why you don't want to be beholden to the sell side? So I'd say for us, the buy side, it, it, it varies. Today, where we have our buy side is very, it's, it's an advisor, somebody who manages somebody else's money, right? Whether they are technically an advisor or a broker, and they're called different names, both in the U.S. and internationally. So <clears throat> they're making a decision in, for their, on behalf of their retail clients, or, uh, or making recommendations to their retail clients, but they handle, they handle all that. And uh, for, for them, it's key that they have the best tools for, uh, from, from Halo for transparency, for analytics, for pricing, and the whole logistics of execution and having that delivered to their portfolio. That's, so their needs from the buy side are very different from, from the sell side. As the sell side, the manufacturer is much more focused on on the on the uh, on the issuing, the hedging, and you know the 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 P and L from hedging, um, which is a <clears throat> completely different focus. Which is which is an important focus because if you didn't have the sell side, you know there there are no products to deliver to the buy side. Um, but the key thing is the the key thing in any market, whether we're in structured notes or whether we're selling toys or whether we're selling just you know, apps on, on the app store is that if you focus on the customer, if you keep focusing on the little innovations and we at Halo, we focus on a lot of little innovations and little innovations over time end up being radical innovations that focus on little innovations for the buy side that forces you, you have to focus on one thing that the innovation of the buy side forces you to basically say, Hey, what can I do to lower costs on the sell side? What can I do to, to uh, do things that make, uh, make it safer for these investors, right? And so the, the start on the buy side, start of innovation on the buy side, the focus there, basically translate into every other part of your supply chain. And, and that improves the market. So that's how we've sort of looked at that. Yeah, thanks for that. That's a great way to look at things. Um, so in terms of trends that, that you're seeing in marketplaces and, and in this part of the business, uh, Jason, you, you mentioned uh, the need to be independent and the rise of the RRA, RIA. How do you see that as driving the need for marketplaces like Halo? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you look at the trend in wealth management, and there's a few different trends that, that we're focused on, but the trend in wealth management is, again, being a fiduciary, right? And so when you look at even with your own, you know, net worth, Craig, you probably work with an advisor from, you know, from somebody or, or even with your own firm, right, is, is that you want someone sitting on the right side of the table or the same side of the table as, as you. And so when I look at the wealth management industry, you see a lot of these teams moving away from, you know, the big wires to be independent for many different reasons, right? And, and so for us, we want to make sure that we cater to all individuals. And, and that's why we focus on independence, because there's a reason why they left that firm, right? And so, you know, that's one major trend that we see is just kind of the rise of, of fiduciaries. Now that, that being said, even when you're at a, you know, at a wirehouse firm, right, you're still a fiduciary, right? And, and 
you know, with all the new legislation that's that's come in, and, and we actually have a whole set of tools for private banks and broker dealers, because we work with many of them as well, to be able to manage, right, the new laws and legislation, the compliance and review for, you know, protective investing products, um, and all capital markets products. So we allow whether you're a broker or an advisor to uphold your fiduciary value. And, and that's really the trend that we see is, is this rise to fee-based, whether you're a broker or an advisor. And I think that that's really good. I mean, fifth, when you look at a Halo's platform, 50% of our customers have never bought a structure note before. You know, about 60% of our market, right, is the independent advisor, 40% are brokers. Now, to that point, when you look at that statistic is they have no economic incentive, correct, to buy a structured note, right? Especially something that's complex, something that when you Google the word structured note, look what comes up. <laughs> it's the FINRA warnings of complexity and fees and everything else that we talked about. So that's what I take most pride in, not about the volumes that, that we've traded you know, over the last four years. We're one of the fastest growing fintechs out there. But I love the fact that we are turning fiduciaries into fiduciaries and bringing new people into this product set that weren't into that product. I think trend number two, from my perspective, is the content idea generation. That's the number thing, number one thing that we hear from RIAs is when you leave the wire, it's great because you have the independence, but it's hard to you know, break away from the research that you're used to, right? And yes, a lot of people say research is commoditized and you can access anybody's research anywhere. That's not really the case. And so Halo's got a big focus on AI tools that really serve up the right trade at the right time at the right place. So it's just constant content generation, which is the same reason why you and I are on Twitter and why we watch CNBC and Bloomberg, right? There's no monopoly on good ideas. And so that content idea generation also serves as a great educational tool on the platform. So the rise of the independence and the content idea generation are two major trends that I see. I would, I'd say the other, the other thing I would, I would add to that is that uh, people are, you know, especially in a market like this where rates are really low and the market's at all time highs, people want to move away from just a direct investment in the stock market where you're taking a certain amount of risk, you know, to something that's got a buffer on the downside or protection on the downside or some sort of defined outcome on the upside. That's a big need uh, for customers. And we see this going to be, I, I think it's gonna be a long-term trend where at a certain point, you know, I don't know what exactly that time frame is gonna be, but at a certain point, people are gonna look back and say, I can't believe we just bought the S&P without any protection. And, and I think that's gonna be a, a holistic trend in the market. And we're at the very early stages of that, but we see that trend playing out in the, in the marketplaces that we're at. So we don't, you know, we don't see, I think as we might've stated earlier, is like we don't see the addressable market we are, uh, we are serving as the current, as the current uh, amount of issuance for structured notes. We see this as a much bigger market. We see this as, you know, the, the, the market, the general market for ETFs and mutual funds where <clears throat> people are going to move away from just buying that ETF directly and buying the ETF with protection, regardless of what wrapper it's in. That's an excellent point. It's, it's the wrapper that is, is important. And most, most consumers don't even understand what an ETF is. But if you were to wrap a structured note as part of every mutual fund purchase, then they just say, this is the insurance you buy with a mutual fund. It's part of mutual fund protection. That would make it much more palatable. They'd understand it. It's exactly the way we think about it. Spot on. Is that like, if you love a mutual fund, why would you not want it with protection? And that's really where the innovations Halo has brought to this market and why we keep on focusing on we're wrapper agnostic because I don't care. Like Craig should be able to pick 
which wrapper he wants for different liquidity purposes or tax purposes or flexibility purposes. But ultimately, the technology and the innovations we're bringing to the manufacturer will impact annuity companies and insurance companies as well. So you'll have the same ability to click and trade and have that same flexibility. It's just based on picking that wrapper of what's more, most suitable for Craig. So let's, let's talk about annuities. You guys just added annuities onto the platform. Why did you do that? And where do you see the market for annuities going? Yeah, from, from my perspective, you know, I, I think that annuities look very similar to structured notes, but more importantly, they suffer from many of the same problems, right? When you hear the word annuity, many people cringe, right? Because they think they're high in fees, that they're not transparent, right? They're sold and they're not bought. Uh, buying them is very difficult. Those are the same four problems that I just said about structured notes. And so when I look at the annuity wrapper, there's actually a lot of advantages for annuities. And it's funny because I used to say I've never bought an annuity in my life, nor would I ever buy an annuity. So I was one of those guys. And then when we start to unpack it a little bit and then start to look at our technology and the innovations we could drive in the market, when you can reduce fees, increase transparency, reduce friction, right? That there's a lot of advantages to this annuity wrapper, a lot of advantages, especially in a, an environment, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, taxes are going up and, and we need more tax efficient savings to help solve this you know, savings crisis that we're having in America right now. So I don't think that we would be doing our jobs or you know, fulfilling our, our mission of impact before profits if we didn't focus on, on the annuity market. And so I think they're very consonant with structured notes and they offer a lot of advantages uh, that even structured notes don't offer. So people should have choice. But how, how have you, have you done anything to make annuities easier to buy? There's still a lot of long contracts and they're very you know focused on each individual investor. Have you done anything around making them easier to transact? Yeah. So there's, there's actually a lot of innovations that we've done on that side. Number one is, you know, we've brought in kind of the education, the analytics, so people can actually understand what the heck an annuity is and the benefits of what they can serve in the portfolio. So Halo's big focus, which is, you know, very differentiated with our platform is kind of the portfolio analytics. So Craig can see not just the risk and reward of a certain product, which we offer, but how does this impact Craig's portfolio and where does it go in the portfolio? And so that analytics process solves a lot of the friction because for an advisor, and this was the same problem I had with structured notes, if you're my client at Credit Suisse, I would tell you the four terms, I'd send you an 80 page term sheet and I'd say, trust me. Well, I'm sorry, in this day and age, I don't trust anybody. And so I need to have a quantitative and statistical analysis to show why this is good if I'm going to be a fiduciary. So that's, that's friction number one. Number two is that we work with the carriers and other partners to completely streamline the buying process. When you look at annuity, and this is what we told the carriers, you, know, you gotta fill out 30 pages of paperwork, it's cumbersome. And as Americans, right, we, and really for, for anybody, if it's really challenging to buy, then we probably ain't gonna do it. That's the rise of Amazon, which is why a lot of people call us the Amazon of protected investing products. It's not because we have a marketplace, we make it easy to transact. And that's the beauty of Amazon. And that's what we've done by streamlining kind of the back end behind the scenes. So people are able to transact. Halo also created its own OID, which is unique to the market because that's a major problem as all these advisors are leaving the wirehouses, they're not registered and they don't have their annuity licenses. So they can work with ROID to actually transact um, in these products and be able to be that you know, agent of record, which is really, really important and unique to the market from an operational and infrastructure process. And then finally, we've gone down to the carrier and again, inserted the same issuance automation technology we've gone to the structured note issuers with and brought that to the carriers. So it turns it into more of a click to trade. And, and that's, that's where the market needs to go. 
Can you explain to people what an OID is? Yeah, so an OID is basically a uh, an insurance, uh, you know, an outsource insurance desk, which allows us to be able to transact annuities on behalf of the advisor. So we would be the agent of record for that advisor who may not have their insurance licenses and may not be registered, nor do they want to have their insurance licenses or be registered. So we take that burden off of their plate and really bring it into Halo. So we can manage that policy for them. Now they still get to manage it all through the platform, right? So that's kind of the benefit of technology is we also manage all the life cycle of the annuity. So how's the annuity doing, right? What are the life cycle events that I can expect when I own this annuity? So the advisor still has access to all that, but from a documentation and, and a record keeping perspective, we do all of that. So the advisor doesn't have to go and find a new broker dealer to hang their licenses, which they don't want to do. That's why they kind of went independent. Um, and it's a major, major benefit for financial advisors. So it's like a retire one or DPL outsourced insurance desk. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the same kind of infrastructure. It's just wrapped around technology. So you'll find us don't really say, oh, we're an OID. That's just the nice kind of back office operations and infrastructure that we can provide advisors. But the focus is on the platform for advisors to get educated, analyze, execute, and maintain structured notes with a click, or annuities with a click of a button. And of course, structured notes too. And as I tell all of our guests, the time goes by so fast. And as we, as we said, it's already gone. We're already out of time. Guys, you were really fantastic. Can you tell us where people can find more information about Halo? Yeah, so you can go to our website at haloinvesting.com. You can read about all of our services, whether you're an issuer or you're an advisor, um, and you can sign up for a demo and then also access all of our very robust suite of education, analytics, and podcasts like this one. And so haloinvesting.com is where you want to go. Fantastic. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Craig, thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. Hey, it's Craig again. And here's my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, online marketplaces like Halo were slowly changing how advisors purchase structured products, annuities, and other investments. Technology is an important part of the experience for advisors when they evaluate, analyze, purchase, and manage these complex investments. With only single-digit market penetration, the U.S. is a green field for structured products, and Halo seems to be on the leading edge and well-positioned to become the leader in the space. So that's it for this episode. I'd like to ask everyone listening to please go to your web browser and type EzraGroupLLC.com and press enter and subscribe to our newsletter. Every month you'll receive an email chock full of wealth news, wealth tech news, insights, and all-around good information from us. You won't be disappointed. Talk to you all again next time.